0: Desmond Ritter is trending in the right direction and the next few games will help decide his long-term fate with the Falcons. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, welcome back to another illustrious episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast. Of course, today's episode of Locked on Falcons is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And of course, Locked on Falcons is your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And of course, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman a.k.a. Serious Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew. My friends call me Negative Nancy. You can call me Mr. Drew, but you can become one of my friends, guys, by becoming an everydayer of this podcast. And all you got to do to become an everydayer is check us out as your first listener, first watch each and every day. And all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So normally today's episode would be an all 22 review, but that's not going to be the case today. Like, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about the Falcons being in a very similar place today at, atop the NFC South uh, as they were 51 weeks ago last year and and sort of how that can go differently for them moving forward than it did a year ago. But, you know, because of that, like I'm sort of like looking at the sort of the big picture, right? Uh of things. And we're approaching the trade deadline. So later we'll talk a little bit about, you know, defense and should they make that big bold trade to to get that edge rusher that so many people talking about. Uh, But, you know, for the Locked On Falcons insiders, the people that, you know, subscribe to the subtext, they'll get an extended All-22 review. That's one of the perks of subscribing to that and becoming an insider. You also get one-on-one conversations with me, whether you want to vent about the Falcons, you want to ask questions, whatever you want. You know, if you want to run by your, you know, mac and cheese recipe with me, you know, at 1030 at night, um, you know, ahead of Thanksgiving on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, then yeah, I'm open to that. And you know, all you got to do is join the link in the description below at slash locked on Falcons. Uh, and you get you know a 14 day free trial, and then it's $4.99 a month after that point. So check that out if, if you're interested in looking at that extended all 22 review. We'll probably look, uh, you know, I haven't firmly decided, but we'll probably look at a couple of plays from Desmond Ritter in this offense. that I liked didn't like a couple of plays from the defense that I liked and didn't like. So that will probably be what on the dock for the extended all 22 review. But I want to kind of talk about where I'm at with Desmond Ritter at this point in the season. And after reviewing the film, I was, you know, obviously I was a little bit more critical of Desmond Ritter and some of the, you know, turnover issues on Sunday immediately after the game. And, you know, I always try to caveat, you know, you're, you're getting a little bit more of an emotional reaction from me in these rapid reactions this year than in previous years where, you know, because I'm, in part I'm recording them a little bit earlier in the day. So I'm still on the come down from my emotional, uh, you know, my emotions from, from the game. And so it's it's not as you're sort of sedated. Uh, and so I always caveat like, you know, I'll wait to the all 22 comes out before I make my final judgment. And after rewatching the film, while the issues I had on Sunday still showed up the turnovers, I would still look at the overall thing without the emotion attached to it. And being like, you know, I see it as going back to a conversation I had earlier this week with Miles Garrett of Fox five Atlanta. Like I do look at it as the glass is half full with Desmond Ritter, right? You know, 80% of the time he's doing the things that you want him to do. Um, And we just got to clean up the other 20%. And, I don't know if you can clean up all of the 20%, but like if you can get that to like 90% of the time and hopefully that 10% isn't turning the ball over, like then then we're potentially cooking. And it it goes back, part of the reason why I think he's trending in the right direction goes back to something I I mentioned immediately after the London game on the Discord. And I was talking about how he sort of talking about at that time, Ritter's regression, potential regression. And trying to make it analogous to like a simplified way of looking at the play calling and why the play calling, you know, at that time after the lions game, after the, the Jaguars game got a lot of criticism and you know, I, I kind of defended Arthur Smith. And this was part of the reason why i I'll just read you what I wrote on the lockdown Falcons discord. If you want to join it, uh, link in the description below, you get my musings because I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I wrote, I might discuss this later today on the pod, but I feel like there are basically three levels of what you're looking for what you're asking your quarterback to do. Level one equals super basic things like screens where you're basically making it so the quarterback doesn't really have to do anything. Level two is basic things that you as an NFL starting quarterback are expected to execute, identifying the coverage, etc., and throwing the curl behind the sinking linebacker. Level three or above is the advanced stuff, which is mainly asked of the high-end quarterbacks. We were never going to ask Ritter to do level three stuff, but we figured based on what he did last year, he'd be able to effectively do all the level two stuff. But the problem is he's not doing that. So that then forces Arthur Smith to have to call a lot more level one stuff, which is more predictable and easier for defenses to stop, which leads to people saying the play calling is bad when it's really Ritter's inability to operate the level two stuff that is forcing Smith to call more level one stuff to try and get him into a rhythm to try to build him back up to level two. And so that was kind of, to me, the situation then. And if you go back and listen to those all 22 reviews, then like I was talking about, like he's not executing the offense as it's called. And I don't think the problem is how the offense is being called. It's he's not executing this stuff. And I feel like the last couple of games, Ritter has been able to operate a lot more this level two stuff. And I think moving forward, you're going to continue to see Arthur Smith, you know, sort of slowly feeding him this level two stuff to see what he can he can do over the course of the season. And like, I think the overall goal is the hope by the end of the season. And hopefully the Falcons are, you know, playing meaningful games in January. And that's where the end of their season comes that you feel pretty comfortable with Ritter's ability to handle all the level two stuff. So that in the future, probably not this year, but potentially next year, if you feel comfortable with his quote unquote mastery of the level two stuff, then you can start sprinkling in level three stuff. And that's where you get the potential development of Desmond Ritter turning into a viable long-term quarterback for this football team, uh, as opposed to just sort of a short-term sort of bridge quarterback, as we've discussed, you know, the previous quarterback and Marcus Mariota being for this team. So that requires a level of patience. And I don't think a lot of people have that patience in large part due because we've seen some quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, you know, and, and a couple of others in their first or second years in the league sort of hit the ground running and play at a really high level. And I think the expectation is like, that's the norm for all quarterbacks. And if you're not, you know, performing at that level, then, you know, you're not good. And I think that's leading to some of the criticism, again, not all the criticism, but some of the criticism, like there's just not a patient, enough patience for Desmond Ritter that his time, like like most quarterbacks, is different from Patrick Mahomes and and Joe Burrow and all that. And I do think that leads us to the conversation that I do want to continue having is how these next couple of games, because of sort of the parallels between what we saw with Mariota last year, um, you know, this is an opportunity for Desmond Ritter to really sort of solidify his status over the next couple of weeks uh, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. and We'll get into all of that, guys, on today's episode. But first, guys, I want to tell you that buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. And Game Time is making it easy to find all the tickets to your sports, music, theater, comedy near you. Killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time is taking the guesswork out of buying tickets. It's the only ticketing app that's going to give you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy so that you know exactly what to expect when you arrive, you got all in prices. So there's no hidden fees you can buy in seconds with two taps, right? And it takes the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Just download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So before we continue today's non-all-22 review of the Falcons Week 7 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I do want to plug the Locked On NFL kickoff live each and every Friday, where Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste, and Kyle Krabs at 2 p.m. Eastern time across the entire Locked On network are giving you the scoop on the upcoming weekend action of games. So make sure you check that out Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. If you're subscribed to any Locked On NFL YouTube channel, including Locked On Falcons, it's already going to drop in your feed. So make sure you hit that subscribe if you're not already subscribed to Locked On Falcons. Again, that's Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. So talking about how I think Mahomes and Burrow and even you can probably throw Lamar Jackson – with his MVP season in year two and Justin Herbert, you know, his success, at least his production in the first two years of his NFL career. Not to call these guys outliers, because, again, there's too many of those guys in recent memory to call them outliers. But like, I don't think they're the norm is, 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 is probably a better way of putting it that I think most quarterbacks, it's they're not going to hit the ground running quite to the same degree that those guys did you know, and you're looking at players like Josh Allen, you're looking at players like Jalen Hurts, you're looking at Tua, right? You know, even if you want to say, oh, Justin Fields has turned a corner, which I don't necessarily agree with, but like, if you're willing to buy that, it took Justin Fields three years of basically being a starter before he turned that proverbial corner. And then when you look historically going back years and years, not just over the last, you know, four or five years that we're mostly focused on, you know, most of those quarterbacks, it was year four, year five, before you saw substantially even Matt Ryan, like, you know, his first two years were much more rocky than I think people remember. And then it was really year three was like kind of the first time that the Falcons put it on Matt Ryan to go out there and win them a game with his arm. Right. Um, you know, I, I, that Ravens game on in primetime where Roddy pushed off, um, you know to, to win that game is the game I'm thinking of. And that was midway through his third NFL season. So I do think that patience is needed with Desmond Ritter, that his timeline and, and based off of the talent level that he is as a quarterback, like, I don't think expecting him to be Justin Herbert or, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, or Patrick Mahomes is, is fair to him Is is basically the point I want to make there. And you know, that level of patience I think can be a challenge, right? Because it's, It's challenging because it's very frustrating when you're in the midst of it, right? It's only when you get out of it seemingly where you can look back and be like, oh, that was fine. Like similar to you've heard me say before, like I think people mythologize Matt Ryan's early career, especially those first two years, because we know that he was successful in the long run. And so you kind of forget about all the ups and downs he went through in those first two years, especially um, to get to that point, and it's not to say that Matt Ryan was bad or anything in those first two years, but it was much more of a roller coaster than I think people remember, but because it all worked out in the end, you just kind of gloss over the downs and you just remember the ups. Right. Um, and, and, and I think the analogy I would use is like, it's like turbulence, right? Where it's like, you're on a plane and you're in the turbulence and in the midst of the turbulence, you think you're going to die. Right. And then you get out of the turbulence and you're like, fine, right. You know, 99 point, I guess, 9% of turbulence is, You make it out fine, but you know, you always feel like when you're in it, you know, it's going to be that one 0.1% of the time where it leads to the, the plane crashing. So that's kind of the analogy I would use with it. So, you know, getting back to a point I made earlier, like we've been here before we were here basically in the same position today, a year ago, right? Four and three in first place in the NFC South right now, last year, we were four and four in first place. In the nfc south and we looked ahead at the soft part of our schedule that the, that was the perception that you know those next five games between then and the bye were going to be the easy part of the schedule with the falcons could really rack up some wins and solidify their status as you know a true blue playoff contender and you look at our next five opponents tennessee minnesota arizona new i mean new orleans and the jets and i could understandably understand why people would think Hey, we got five soft opponents. We should be able to rack up wins and really solidify ourselves as a, as a playoff team. And because we didn't do it before, like I am I mean like, I'll believe it when I see it, it's not to say that I'm skeptical or, or doubtful or pessimistic about it. It's just one of those things where like, because we've been here before and the quarterback didn't make the plays that we needed him to make in order to, um, you know, get us to where we wanted to go. Like, I'm not going to automatically assume that Ritter's going to do their things, especially given the ups and downs that we've so far experienced this season, that we could go right back down into a dip, right, Uh, so to speak, over the next couple of games. But I do think because of the the sort of parallels that you have, and we saw where the quarterback really kind of held us back, as you've heard me say a bunch of times on the podcast over the last year, like, I don't think Mariota was that much of an a quote unquote problem for the team in the first eight games of the season. It was really games nine through 13 that I think Mariota's shortcomings really sort of held the team back. I, I felt like most of their shortcomings in the previous eight games were mostly because the Falcons didn't have enough confidence in their offensive line to play a certain style of offense, not because they didn't have enough confidence in the quarterback, but I think around mid season, they started gaining confidence in our offensive line and then the quarterback shortcomings, he didn't necessarily make the progression and you know, it's, a similar sort of situation where, like, the first four weeks of the season, we were talking about the hey, what's going on with the offensive line. Why is the offensive? And I think the last three games, we haven't really talked about the offensive line as as a thing that's holding this team back. And so now it's going to be more about. And hopefully that continues. Although Jeffrey Simmons is coming to town, so if if it's a problem this week, then you know, <laughs> blame it on Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry. And Arden Key and Harold Landry and Tyre Tartan, you know, they, they got some dudes up front. So this week, what's in? And it's not like Minnesota doesn't have a couple of dudes, but we'll see if some of these guys get traded. Whatever, we'll see. We'll talk more about the trade deadline in a second. But um, what was I saying? Um, we because the offensive line feels like okay, they're they're back to where we thought they would be. Now it's going to be about the quarterback. So I think this again, it's not to sit here and say like, oh, these next three games are going to determine whether or not Ritter is the guy. Right. But he can definitely help himself if he can continue to play well, if he can continue to make strides, continue to perform over these next three games. And, and of course, the Falcons win games. Right. That's the important thing. That's that's your job and to help the team win games. Um, and so it's not to sit here and say, even if he plays well over the next three games before the bye, like, oh, the job is definitely his. He's still got seven more games after the bye that, you know, could go either way. And even if you play doesn't play great over the next three games, you still got seven games to go. So it's not to sit here and say, like, this is going to be the make or break point. These next three games are going to make or break Desmond Ritter's NFL career, his season, all that stuff and more. Right. That that to me is being overly dramatic, but it is one of those things where like it's gonna matter, right? And and the the further you can distance yourself from the the Mariota coaster, right? The better will be, is, is basically what I'm getting at. So we'll see what Desmond Ritter can do over these next couple of weeks. You know, I'm somewhat optimistic because we've gotten three good, three mildly, three promising performances, right? The last couple of weeks, again, 80, 85% doing the right thing. Just like, can we get that number to like 88% and then 92%? Like that's, that's what I'm hoping for. So we'll see if Ritter can do that, but we'll wrap up today's episode talking about the defense and we'll, we'll talk about why this 2023 defense reminds me a lot of the 2017 defense. And that leads us to a conversation over whether this defense is really like the one piece away with the trade deadline room, looming a week from now, uh, you know, if they're one piece away. So we'll, we'll get into that to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So guys, we know that the Falcons' success is about surrounding them, putting the right team on the field each and every week. And that will allow them to reach their goals of making the playoffs in 2023. And it's similar to your potential small business or you as a hiring manager for your company, right? Where it's, you want to reach certain goals this year, you got to hire the right people, right? And you can do so with LinkedIn jobs, quickly attract, hire the qualified candidates that have the right skills and values, experiences that are going to help you achieve those goals. You can put your job posts in front of millions of profiles in minutes for free. And you can also have easy screening tools. Like you can screen and rate applicants based off of the job qualifications that you're looking for all in one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn job is going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So many of you have $10 in your pocket right now, and you would love an easy way to turn that into $250, and you can with prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. All you got to do is pick two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and the more entries you make, the more money you can win, up to 25 times your money, right? I love prize picks. It's quick. It's easy. It's just you versus the projections, not you versus any players, right? You just go more on Bijan or less on Bijan, depending on you the last couple of weeks, you probably we're better off going less, but he's due. He's due. So go more this week or whatever. Right. And that's going to be, help you turn 10 into $250. So don't take my advice. Probably best advice I can give you. is Don't take any of my betting advice, um, but go to prize slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 That's prize slash locked on NFL and use promo code locked on NFL prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. So let's talk about defense and I'll I'll give you, I'll tell you up front, I'm going to nitpick a little bit, right? It's going to, it's going to be very nitpicky for the the remainder of today's episode. I want to say, I do like this defense. They're certainly the stats are backing up that this is the best Falcons defense that we've had in, in well over a decade at this point in time, you know, they've obviously kept this team in, in every single game and allowed them to be in a position in the fourth quarter to win every single game. And that, that was kind of the thing we were hoping for with the improvements made this off season. Um, and 90% of the time when this team has needed to get a stop, they've gotten a stop from this defense. So this defense is absolutely clutch. I don't know if that means that they're, I mean, it it does mean that they're good, but I don't know if that means that they're great. Right. Because it kind of reminds me of the, the quarterback that leads the league in game winning drives is also clutch. But like, when you look back at recent years, it's not always like the greatest quarterback. Like for example, Desmond Ritter leads the league currently in game winning drives in 2023. Last year it was Kirk Cousins. The year before that, it was uh, washed. Ben Roethlisberger and Derek Carr with the Raiders was number two in 2021. Then 2020, it was Ryan Tannehill with the Titans, and Derek Carr still was number two. And you look at that list of quarterbacks, and you're like, yeah, these are all capable, decent, good, whatever you want to say. You know, we're talking Raiders' car, not Saints' car. Saints' car is absolute garbage. At me, Ross Jackson, uh, but you don't look at those quarterbacks and you think, man, these are great quarterbacks. It's like, yeah, they're, they, they do the job, but like, you know, that's kind of how I feel like this defense is right. And so that's part of the reason why, like, I'm not going to be too effusive with my praise of this defense. Cause it it feels like the Ryan Tannehill of defense. It's like, yeah, it's putting up numbers and it's being productive, but like, it just seems like there's something missing. And I know for a lot of folks, it's like, we just need a pass rush, which t- to a certain extent, I, I think is fair. Right. But for me, a lot of ways, this defense, has a, like when I watch it, the feeling I get, the vibes I get are very similar to the vibes I had back in 2017, watching that defense. And they're built so similar. Like there's a lot of parallels, right? The strength of that 2017 defense, just like the 2023 defense to me is the secondary and their ability to man up, you know, pretty much any offensive uh, group of weapons. Right. And then you had like a front that was built off of like three sort of really good players. right? And then then it was 2D tackles and and Grady Jarrett and Don Terry Poe, and then kind of like inside outside guy and Adrian Claiborne. And now it's like 2D tackles and David Anyamata and Grady Jarrett and inside outside guy and Calais Campbell. And whether, you know, whichever group you think is better, like I, I probably feel like the 2017 unit was better as a pass rusher, just purely pass rushing in terms of reliably getting to the quarterback. but. Regardless, it, it, let's, let's say it's a wash and it feels like the main difference between the 2017 defense and why that was a league average pass rush in terms of sacks. And this year's defense has not been, although they've been productive the last couple of weeks, although a lot of that feels to me, you know, Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield holding onto the ball, covered sacks, those types of things. But we'll see if that, if that continues in the, in the coming weeks, uh, they should be able to get a couple against Will Levison and Malik Willis this week, but we'll see. Um. But like the main difference is that 2017 pass rush, I think their their four through seven guys were better than this year's four through seven guys. And in no particular order, those four through seven were Tack McKinley, Vic Beasley, Brooks Reed and Derek Shelby, all edge rushers, by the way, just like this year's four through seven are probably Arnold Biketti, Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter and Zach Harrison again. So it's just, it's weird to me, like all the parallels. And it's just like, they're there's, they're so similar to me in terms of like, just how they play and, and what they do well. Right. But again, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk with the trade deadline a week from today, Tuesday, as I'm recording this, um, you know, there's a widespread belief that the Falcons are just basically all they need is like a 10 sack edge guy away from being an elite unit. And I think it's fair to say that that's absolutely the biggest piece that is missing from this defense. I don't think it's the only piece that's missing from this defense. And it reminds me of that 2017 unit, because I I think the downfall of that unit and why they were not able to continue coming together as so many people were saying at that time and build upon their success in 2017. And they were basically a league average defense according to DVOA. And I think I didn't check this week, but I know last week this year's defense in terms of DVOA was slightly below average. So not too dissimilar. I think it's like the difference between 17 and 20 in terms of their DPO rankings. But um, I thought that 2017 or really the 2018 units and beyond their problem was they got complacent, right? That regime then thought that the draft picks, especially on defense that they had expended in 2015, 2016 and 2017 drafts were kind of, they already laid the foundation for their long-term defensive success. And they didn't do a great job supplementing that, Those young players with free agents. Right. In part due to them, their tendency to have to pay a lot of guys on the offensive side of the ball um, in those off seasons rather than looking for outside help. And, you know, I don't think complacency is going to be quite an issue for this defense if we're looking ahead to 2024 and beyond it's not going to be the same because if it they do get complacent, it's not going to be because they've already laid the foundation with, you know, a bunch of young players. It's going to be like, they just got complacent because they just trust in the veterans to stay young forever. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that, that goes. And, but when I look at this defense and and talking about, you know, how many pieces are they away? You know, most for the most part, I think it's a depth thing that they need several more depth pieces to really solidify this unit. Right. You know, Upgrading that four through seven on the on the defensive front, I think is going to be a key in it. But I, I, it's understandable why, you know, if you're just looking at the starters, which most people tend to focus on when they think about team needs. Right. You're just only looking at like that one 10 sack edge. Right. But we'll see how age attrition and injuries sort of affect this defense beyond the season, because that was kind of the thing that contributed to the downfall of the Falcons defense's Past 2017 injuries a lot, not so much age, injuries and attrition. But so we'll see, we'll see how it affects this year. But again, I can understand why everybody looks at a Daniel Hunter, or looks at a Montez Sweat, looks at a Chase Young, whoever you think is that sort of final piece, that ten sack edge guy that is the final piece. And I understand that. But and I and I certainly understand because when you kind of look ahead at the potential free agent options that may get to the market this year. Or this spring, and also look at some of the draft options. Like I don't know if you love those options, and so if you're basically locked in on we need a ten sack edge guy, I can understand why someone would think trading for one in the next seven days is the best chance that you have to get one of those guys. Because I don't think the upcoming free agent, I don't think a lot of those guys are going to hit the market, right? Really, any of those guys going to hit the market in free agency? They rarely do. And then I don't know if there's that many of those guys in the draft. That at least are going to, you know, fit this defense. Be the the bigger edges that this defense tends to like, right? You you can find some two hundred forty pound guys that can that have that type of potential, but we're looking for like two hundred and seventy pound guys that can do that. So, um, that's the challenge that the Falcons face, and so I think that's led to a lot of people being desperate. And so, as I said, like I feel like that edge is the biggest or most important piece of like the six pieces that they need to add, right? But They still need to add six pieces. And like the other five, again, we're only halfway through the season or not even halfway through the season. So um, these aren't final takes. It's just sort of, you know, the wheel spinning in my head at this point in time at the end of October. And I'm like looking at, okay, what other pieces do they need? They probably need at least three more guys on the defensive line inside and outside. uh, In addition to that big edge, you know, probably another good depth piece at outside cornerback and probably another rangy safety, just at least in the event that, you know, Jeff Okuda and um, Jesse Bates go down, like you don't really have solid options to replace him as we saw with Trey Flowers and um, you know, love you DeMarco Helms and, and Richie Grant, but you know, y- y'all ain't Jesse Bates. Right. So um, you know um, so like, it's like, for me, that's part of the reason why like, I don't look at it as like, Oh, we have to get this edge. Cause I just like, we need that edge. And we also need these five other pieces, right? So it's like, but I think everybody else is just kind of like, it's all about the edge and they kind of ignore the other five pieces. And it's not even to say that if you get the edge, you can't get the other five, right? It's just looking at it from a larger perspective of like, we need six pieces. And one of them happened, the biggest piece happens to be the edge. And it's not all about the edge is, is kind of what I'm getting at. So. That's part of the reason why I'm not as focused on making that big trade as other people are. We'll, we'll see. I doubt the Falcons make the trade, right? We talked about this in June when we first broached the idea of trading for Daniel Hunter back then. I just don't see the Falcons paying the contract for these guys, you know, after making such a trade that they would have to. And it goes back to what we talked about leading up to free agency, which is I don't I don't see the Falcons going outside their organization and paying a guy more than what they're paying Brady Jarrett, which is $16.5 million a year. Right. I could see someone inside the organization getting that type of money. AJ Terrell, I'm looking at you. But someone outside the organization, like they have to truly believe that, like, that's a Jesse Bates type of building block. And again, they only pay Jesse Bates $16 million. Right. So, like, to me, there's a cap on. And if you trade for one of these, like we saw this last year with Dolphins giving up a first for Bradley Chubb, then they went in and paid him $22 million. And so, if you give up value for one of these, you know, a Hunter or Sweat or whatever, it's going to push up that price tag. And I just don't think the Falcons are Going to do that, but I could be wrong, right? Wouldn't be the first time, It'd be like the fourth time I've ever been wrong about things. So that's it, guys. Tomorrow will be a uh crossover Thursday previewing this week eight matchup with Locked On Titans. Continue to make Locked On Falcons your first listen. Check out Locked On NFL as your second listen. Appreciate it, guys. Until then.